The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cox Media Group, Ohio. This hour is sponsored by Sim Trainer. This is WHIO's Consumer Warrior, Clark Howard. Beware scam artists in Dayton. I'll find you out. This is WHIO meteorologist, Kirsty Zantini. If weather breaks this hour, we will break it. And you're listening to an Ask the Expert weekend on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Good afternoon, listeners, and welcome to this rainy Saturday afternoon broadcast of Shooting from the Hip. I'm Jeff Pedro in with Mark Avery, and we're from Sim Trainer, the Dayton area's first indoor range and firearms training center. You can visit us on the web at sim-trainer.com. You can give us a call at the range at 937-293-3914, or you can stop down and see us at our store, which is located at 2031 Dryden Road in the city of Marine, right across from DPNL. If you want to get in on today's show, please call us here at the studio at 457-1290, and we'd be more than glad to talk with you about anything that might be on your mind. Speaking of that topic, I'm going to start off today's show. There was plenty of newsworthy items this past week, but I want to start off by uh, um, probably introducing a topic that's going to generate a considerable amount of debate, discussion, and and, uh, controversy, I believe, and that several legislators in the House have... uh, joined together to propose that Ohio implement constitutional carry. Now, I assume that that was on the coattails of what Kentucky just did in the last uh, few weeks. Governor just signed into law down in Kentucky constitutional carry, whereby individuals are no longer required to go through training classes or to get a a license um, in order to carry. And uh, that was something that for many years was discussed here in Ohio. And um, I think ongoing, it has been a topic that... uh, pro-gun people have been trying to advance forward. My problem with it is um, I think it was sending a red flag up at the wrong time. And I say that because, as I mentioned on so many previous shows, I think the concealed carry law in Ohio has evolved in a positive way uh, over the last uh, 15 years uh, to such a point that if we continue to pick away at critical issues, just like this last uh, round of legislation, which uh, ultimately had to Um, result in a veto or an override of a veto by the governor, we gained a very serious uh, provision in in, or got a serious provision enacted into the law whereby it is no longer the individual's requirement that they prove that their deadly force was that they used was uh, correct and and justified. Now the prosecutor must prove that it wasn't and put they're putting the burden where it needed to be. We also had a provisional law that unfortunately got dropped out at the last minute for a variety of reasons, and that was the the abolishment of the duty to retreat. But I think we as a a state and certainly those of us in the concealed carry world would have been much better off. Again, this is my personal and professional opinion. If we would have continued to go for um, eliminating the duty to retreat and even more importantly, national reciprocity. Um, those are two topics that I think are, are extremely critical, and we were very close on both. Uh, up until a couple of um, last-minute changes, uh, duty to retreat was moving in a favorable direction, and two years ago, um, national reciprocity was on the cusp along with the Hearing Protection Act of passing until a couple of national tragedies kind of switched the whole direction and focus 
of uh, the legislative uh, uh, process and kind of change the way people thought at both the federal and the state levels. Of course, there's a couple of things that we want to make sure we don't conflate, and that is that the duty to retreat is an Ohio thing, right. and national reciprocity, of course, is in the U.S. Congress. Right. So, those, I mean, those were not on the same track. No, I, I'm means, saying that uh, we but, in the concealed carry world would be, I think, better off spending our time, energy, our money, and our, our, our influence at both the state and, and federal levels to try to push those through because, quite frankly— um, once we get national reciprocity, um, that's going to open up a lot of avenues for those of us that believe in caring because we travel, even though I don't travel um, the, you know, the country frequently. There are plenty of people who do, and one of the biggest impediments is they have to check to see what the provisions of law are in the respective states that they're going to travel to, and uh, it gets to be potentially problematic. And that probably wouldn't change. There's still going to be different provisions in each of the states, but what it, what would change is that if you're legally allowed to carry in your home state, you would li- be legally allowed to carry any place that you go, including places like New York and New Jersey and Washington, D.C. and California, all places that do not have reciprocity or recognize anybody else's license and barely issue licenses themselves. And as I've, I had a discussion with a couple of people uh, this past week about the national reciprocity relative to those states Mark just mentioned, uh, quite frankly, I don't really care about those states. If they choose to try to violate people right, people's rights, then we choose not to do business in those states. Well, the, uh, the, the area where there are people who do care a lot is people who travel quite a bit and have a motor home and they're driving through. Maybe they're heading to Maine, which is actually a pretty carry-friendly state, but you can't get there without right. going through at least some of those states. Exactly. And, and that, I think, should yeah. never have been a problem. And in fact, the um, international transportation of firearm, I mean, the, the interstate transportation of firearms provisions of the uh, Gun Owners Protection Act was supposed to fix that, and yet some of these states continue to repeatedly ignore that and provide uh, and, and prosecute uh, people who are doing the law-abiding thing in, or maybe have made a, uh, a procedural error and in trying to do the right thing end up getting um, caught in yeah. a terrible legal trick. There have been some trick. horrific cases. Uh, the most obvious are when people are traveling via the airlines and the airli- air- airplane gets diverted and they end up in a state where um, uh, they're not very gun-friendly and they have to go claim their baggage to get to a different flight, and all of a sudden, just because they possessed a firearm in the state where they didn't even intend on being, they run into potential problems. Or you have a weather delay at some yeah. place like JFK or Newark, and, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what happens. So, exactly. it's so it's, a, it's that's crazy. a problem that needs to get yeah. fixed. They need to be held accountable and to be and to have the, the federal law enforced that protects gun owners even though they hate them in that particular state. Now, there are a lot of specifics that need to be um, uh, rectified and and worked through relative to uh, um, duty to retreat and uh, national reciprocity. But for purposes of today's discussion, I just, if any of you have an opinion out there, and I know there are people who have strong opinions about constitutional carry, and the person sitting right across the desk from me, I'm sure does. (laughs) But um, the, the point I wanted to make is that we have been making such significant progress and we're moving in a positive direction. I just thought that by moving, um, you know, it's almost like in a football game, a team's driving down the field, they're punching away short passes, a couple runs, uh, quarterback sneak, and all of a sudden they try to start throwing the ball long and they end up with an interception and they stop their drive. That's the best analogy I can come up with right now. But I'm thinking that uh, why not do what's working? And what's working is chipping away. And like I've said, if you look at the evolution of the concealed carry law in Ohio for 15 years, we've made more progress in the right direction in that law than any law I'm aware of that has evolved 
from where its inception to where it was at a given time. Well, and other than removing the duty to retreat, I'm not sure there's much more left to do besides constitutional carry. Yeah, there. I mean, at least within the state of Ohio. Again, national reciprocity, huge issue, something that has been brought up several times that the U.S. Congress looked like it was going to make it through. And then, of course, you know, all the, the social events yeah. that occurred and everybody is making emotional decisions instead of fact-based decisions. But even in that case, the whole national furor for additional gun control has died away. And the statistics now in terms of surveys are looking very much like they did before Parkland, yeah. which is, I think, a good thing because people are starting to think again instead of just making decisions based on feelings. Well, as several of the analysts in the, who assess the situation in Kentucky over the last month have said, one of the biggest problems is, especially with the anti-gun community, is they don't understand the language or the reality of what constitutional carry uh, means. They also don't understand the reality of what lawfully armed citizens mean. Um, all they focus on is that guns are bad. And anybody that has a gun is potentially going to do a bad thing. And that's where their argument stops. And that's what they focus their, uh, their energy on. It's the object rather than the law-abiding people that are going to be involved in the process. Well, and part of the reason they don't know what it means is because the gun control lobby is intentionally lying to them and telling them, well, that means felons are going to be able to carry guns. Absolutely. No, it does not mean that because you're not legally allowed to possess a firearm. And if you're possessing a firearm, just because the state says you're allowed to carry concealed without a license doesn't mean you're allowed to have the firearm which you're going to carry if if you're not permitted, if you're a prohibited person. So um, that's a that's an issue that I think is something that will will probably get resolved. But again, the emotions are way higher than the facts in most of the discussions. Jeff, let's jump out to the phones and uh, talk to Rick, who's calling from Vandalia. Rick, welcome to the show. What can we do for you today? Good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, great show, as always. Uh, I think I spoke with Jeff last week regarding uh, Shockwave, which I did pick up legally on the uh, 28th. Uh, but my question for you is, uh, I have a bike. Can I carry that in my hard saddlebag on my bike? And I'll hang up and listen uh, for well, your response. Well, wait a second uh, before you. You're talking about a motorcycle, I assume. I'm sorry. You're talking about a motorcycle. Correct. Okay. All right. Uh, sure. Yeah, we can answer that question. Yeah. Okay. Good. Listen, I'll uh, I'll hang up and I'll listen to you and uh, look forward to uh, listening to the rest of the show. All right. Great. Thanks for for calling, Rick. Well, as far as carry, you can carry it unloaded, uh, in the saddlebag. Um, remember, the concealed handgun license law in the state of Ohio re refers only to handguns, and the shockwave is a shotgun. It, even though it's a, a shorter version of a typical long gun, it's still a long gun, shotgun, not rifle, but long gun. It doesn't meet the criteria, and it's not in the definition of handgun. So you would not be able to carry it loaded. Um, it would be no different than if you were taking it in a car to the shooting range. You could have it unloaded in that satchel bag in the ammo um, in a separate uh, in the box. As, that, uh, yeah, as yeah, long as as long as, as the ammunition is not in the gun, you're yeah. good. Uh, and the nice thing about most shotguns is they don't have a magazine, so that unusual weird provision. Actually, they have come out with one version that has a magazine. That now, is true, a six but, shot but, magazine. but the, not the Shockwave. Yes. Oh, yes, really? Yes, I just saw it online the other day. It's a new item that came out at the SHOT Show this year. <laughs> okay. So that's the only I'm, one I'm, that would potentially be Here I am behind the power curve yeah. once again in my information. Yeah. Jeff is the guy who gets that stuff first. I just happened, and I only saw it because uh, I was looking at some re reviews of, 
of 2019 um, uh, SHOT Show uh, products, and I saw that one of the new variations, I don't even know if it's on the market yet, but one of them that they're either getting ready to market or just recently marketed was a version with a six-shot magazine. Well, and then in that case, what that means is for people with a concealed handgun license, you could have the loaded magazine in the same compartment, but it, as long as it's not in the gun, if you do not have a concealed handgun license, then they have to be closed behind two separate closures. So it can be in a case that closes. It can be in a – if you have two saddlebags, you could have one closed in one saddlebag and one in another. Well, I'm, I'm thinking the safe way, if you carry a shockwave, yeah, I yeah, say keep it, it in the box, carry it unloaded, keep the ammo in the box. Don't get the – Or get a zipper I, I don't bag. Know that the, I don't know that the, the magazine uh, provides you with that much more um, a benefit than the typical action – of the shockwave. The whole concept of the shockwave, shockwave is it's tight, it's easy to rack, it's close quarters. Uh, it, it's definitely going to be a, a functional op- option for uh, self-defense, but that cannot be carried loaded um, in any capacity. Yeah, so you can't use it for self-defense while you're on your bike. Obviously, if you are going to go to wherever it is when you get off, uh, then you could load it and, and use it there. So. Now, just to clarify, in your own home, in your own place of business, not a Different problem. Story. Yep. Different story. All right, and yeah, because that all of those provisions are talking about provisions in a motor vehicle, which a motorcycle does qualify as a motor vehicle. All right, let's jump back out to the phones and talk to Bruce, who's calling from, from Greenville. Bruce, welcome back to the show. Hi, guys. Always good to talk to you. Tell us oh, what you oh. tell us what you're thinking about conceal uh, con, con, constitutional carry. Well, aside from the fact that if this were to be passed, the only thing that would change is we would no longer need a state issued permission slip to exercise a right that the state's not supposed to touch anyway. When it comes down to who's going to be carrying, nothing will change. Law-abiding people will still carry guns. Criminals will still violate the law and carry guns. Bingo. The only thing, yeah, the thing this does is it does away with us having to jump through the hoops to go through the process to get the permit, and in the case of the great majority, myself and several others accepted, pay the fees, which I consider to be taxes, which is unconstitutional, according to the U.S. Supreme Court, to exercise that right the state is not supposed to touch. Bruce, I, I uh, support 100% everything you said uh, relative to content and context. My issue is with the process, and we're going to have to take our first break. When we come back, stay on the phone. We're going to talk just about those issues. This is Mark Avery and Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. It's an Ask the Experts weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news weather and traffic station, AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Welcome to Tire Discounters. Oh, hi, Phantom. Hi, Mike. What's new, as they say? Well, it's tax time. Ever thought of sprucing up the Phantom Mobile? I go for function, not style. But now you can save up to $220 on select tires and custom wheels. Well, let's try it. <laughs> Mike. Phantom, it's breathtaking. You can't tell it's the same car. Well, it still says Phantomobile on the side. Right now at Tire Discounters, you'll save up to $220 on select tires and custom wheels. With Lee's, homestyle can happen anywhere. Spring for a deal on a famous meal at Lee's Famous Recipe Chicken with our 10-piece breast strips family meal for only $19.99. Feed your family famously with 10 juicy, honey-dipped, hand-breaded breast strips, two large sides, and five fluffy biscuits. Get a sit-down meal made easy and bring home fresh, famous flavor the whole family will love with a 10-piece breast strips family meal for only $19.99. Only at Lee's. Famous for chicken. Do you own an annuity? 
some annuities can have catastrophic fees, risk of loss to principal, and very few benefits. Others can provide substantial bonuses, guaranteed growth, and guaranteed lifetime income. Shouldn't you find out what annuities are best for you? Call Rusty Miller for your complimentary retirement and income kit and annuity rate report at 844-912-7233. That's 844-912-SAFE. Call 844-912-7233. For a bathroom you'll love, call Rebath 937-755-1712. From a fresh tub and shower update to a complete remodel, get $750 off a bathtub or shower replacement. Call Rebath. Bath 937-755-1712. Showers likely throughout the day, possibly a few thunderstorms. Temperatures topping off at 58 degrees for the high, but steeply falling throughout the afternoon into the evening. Much colder air waving in. We'll have a chance to see a few snowflakes as we go towards the overnight hours. Low temperatures by tomorrow morning dropping to 27 degrees. I'm meteorologist Jesse Mag on the Miami Valley Severe Weather Station, AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. The Miami Valley's only radio station for 24-hour breaking news, weather and traffic, AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Welcome back to the show. And right before the break, we were talking to Bruce, who I think is still with us. Um, Bruce, uh, I, I just wanted to mention relative to your comments, as I, as I said, I believe and I, and I wholeheartedly support everything you said. The problem we have is that people on both sides of the aisle, as soon as they hear the phrase constitutional carry, they don't understand that it's reduced only to what you just said and nothing more. Automatically, they start thinking that, well, constitutional carry means everybody's going to get guns. Criminals are going to have guns. They're going to go out there. And the unfortunate reality is even those who would probably support it don't know that. And what's even worse, the people who are proponents of it can't reduce the definition in most cases to simple aspects of law to the essential components that would result in common um, commonsensical people being able to make an informed decision based on facts versus what they or others purport to be uh, misinformation that gets inserted into the bills. And especially because that misinformation is provided intentionally by those who don't want it. Because that's all oh, they have to stand their leg on or yeah. stand on. Believe me, I understand completely. I've spent enough time in the state capitol over the years to where I was actually thinking about having my mail forwarded over there. I've dealt with these politicians. I know exactly what you're talking about. What we're looking at here is really not a question of guns and not even of gun rights, so to speak. It's a question of education because, as you guys have been describing, and I'll come right out and say it, we're dealing with a great majority of ignorant people that know absolutely nothing of the topic. And all they work with is what they hear and see. And we especially see the let's say, misstatements, to be nice, from the anti-gun people. We've heard it before. We've seen it every time there's been a piece of pro-gun legislation come up. All we hear is chicken little cries about how the murders are going to increase and people are going to shoot each other over parking spaces, blah, 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 et cetera, ad nauseum. Well, Bruce, understand on this show, on this show, first of all, let me clarify something for you. You do not have to be gentle when you declare lies as, or classify lies as misstatements. By saying that they make misstatements, it's, it's, it's underscoring the significance of their goal. So I, and, and, and I very much respect your opinion, but I want you to know on this show, and certainly when you're in any conversation with me, you don't have to soften the reality because it is simply lies that they're perpetuating to try to do just exactly what they intend to do, and that's evoke an emotional response. And to be fair, right. for some of the people who repeat those 
they are really misstatements. They're, yeah, they were lied to. They believed it. They tell some other people, and that's how that that trail continues to, uh, to to get longer. But that's part of the reason we started this show, because we wanted to get the facts out, and that's why we make this a fact-based, reference-based, give you the, the actual data, give you the references to the actual law. I don't think you'll ever really know just how much good you guys are doing by having this show. And as far as being nice and gentle, well, I do that for those poor little miscreants out there that are easily <laughs> offended by anything and everything. You know, I had people give me flack for wearing a hat, a MAGA hat. Yeah. And unfortunately, the guy that started the whole thing, it was in a doctor's office, so the doctor was there to be able to surgically reattach his rump when I got done with him. <laughs> <laughs> what, what you're doing is great. I, I can un- totally understand you... Uh, the idea that we may be biting off a little bit more than we should be chewing on at this time. But I'm saying strike while the iron is hot. We've got a lot of momentum right now. We're finally getting the public to understand that we're not a bunch of three-tooth hillbillies that just want to shoot everything at sight. We're logical, reasonable, common-sense people that have safety first and self-defense right there with it. Bruce, Bruce anyway. let, me just, let me ask you this. I know you're a principle-based man, and I very much appreciate your insight and introspection into the issues that we talk about here. But just answer me this one question without going into, you know, kind of the philosophy behind it. But how would constitutional carry change your personal life relative to your decision to carry a firearm to protect yourself? Your personal situation. My personal life, it would allow me to exercise that right that I have. It's not granted. A lot of people are under that mistaken idea that it's granted by the Second Amendment. But it would allow me to exercise my basic civil human right without interference from a so-called government entity. So basically, be able to be free. Basically, though, I understand. And again, I'm looking at it. Uh, it's actual and it's philosophical. Um, but my point is this: I'm assuming you have a concealed handgun license, right? Yes, and you I renew do. it. So other than the requirement to renew every five years, how would the failure to enact constitutional carry affect your decision to carry or not carry a gun, to defend yourself, not defend yourself from day to day? That's the I only. Had perfect, I had a perfect example come up just a few days ago. I went to the local Walmart to do some shopping. I was carrying concealed. I walked through the door of the store, realized I left my wallet sitting on the kitchen counter. In my wallet was my license to carry. Had I been caught, had for some reason I'd been detected to be carried, I would not be able to provide A, my license to carry, and B, my identification. So I could have been arrested right there on the spot for exercising my right. That, 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 that's a fair point. Just to clarify, um, the, the, the license or the identification requirement was removed as part of 228. It's mm-hmm. a piece that not a lot of people are aware of, but uh, it's something I discovered as I was reading through the entire text of the bill so I could give Jeff a summary. That's that's depending, my job around here. Yeah, depending upon the attitude of both the police and the prosecutor. And the information they quite, have. Yeah, I, I could quite probably been dragged into court and have to defend myself against the charge of illegal carrying carrying a concealed weapon because I did not have that little piece of plastic in the way of a permission slip on my person. Good example, and that's what I wanted to hear. And another example is uh, from the previous caller. Um, if, if constitutional carry is done properly, and it truly is constitutional carry, then his ability to carry that loaded shockwave on his motorcycle would also be something that would be allowed, 
And right now, he's not allowed to, even with a concealed handgun license, and right. and even with any of the provisions that are currently being called constitutional carry, which technically are not. And therein, and therein creates the situation, I think, that's going to send the red flag up, because then it would go to an M4 rifle, then a... Uh, and why not? Uh, um, well, I'm just, I'm just saying, it's going to create even more controversy when you go down that path. So even though we have legitimate reasons, I think there are going to be people that are come at it, going to come at us even harder when they realize the significance and scope, even though it's not the reality, because most of us aren't going to carry those items loaded on our bikes or in our cars or whatever the case might be. We're going to carry our personal protection handgun with us, and, and that's, that's it for the most part. We'll carry the other guns um, unloaded but easily accessible if we would, in the unfortunate circumstance, need them. But those are the types of discussions I think we should have. Well, and another issue, too, there is we have several states, I believe the number's 14, but don't quote me, where constitutional carry is already in, in effect, and we can do this. If we can add more states, including Ohio, to this, that furthers our case to show that we are responsible people. We don't need mother government standing over our shoulder. We got. I'm sorry to cut you off, but we need to take a break and head into the newsroom. This is Mark Avery and Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. This is the station Dayton turns to first for live team coverage of breaking news. WHIO Dayton Springfield. Your news starts now. Depend on it. It's 2.30. I'm Dave Daniels with a WHIO News Update. Our top story, Democrats want the full, unredacted Mueller report by Tuesday. We're tracking plenty of rain out there today and possibly a few snowflakes. I'm meteorologist Jesse Mag. Your exclusive WHIO forecast is coming up. Now, WHIO Triple Team Traffic uh, cleaning up an accident in Miami Township, Springboro Pike at Kings Ridge Drive. We've also got one uh, on Indiana Avenue in the city of Dayton, another one on uh, Route 725 in Miami Township in the 2900 block. And we've got an accident uh, at mile marker 44 of I 75 northbound at I 675 and a disabled vehicle at the 52-mile uh, marker, 75 northbound at U.S. 35 this hour. Our top story, Democrats want the full unredacted Mueller report by April 2nd. Attorney General William Barr has said he'll make a redacted version available by mid-April. The president's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, appearing on Fox and Friends this morning and scoffing at the Democrats' demands. Democrats are making absolute fools out of themselves. I mean, they, the report is as clear as it can be exoneration. I was a prosecutor for 18 years. I've never seen a letter that clear. Usually it's hedged. Attorney General Barr sent a four-page summary of the report to Congress last week. Well, plenty of rain to go around today, but the southern portion of the Miami Valley may see even more. Possibly more than one inch of rain. That could lead to some isolated areas of flooding and flash flooding as we go into the evening hours. Storm Center 7 meteorologist Jesse Mag is back in moments with his exclusive WHIO forecast. Former Nevada State Assemblywoman Lucy Flores is accusing former vice president and potential Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden 
of touching her inappropriately and kissing her on the back of the head at a rally in 2014. Flores says she then discussed what happened with a male friend who warned her that she'd need to be ready for scrutiny and to deal with Biden's significant resources if she came forward. Now that friend, who's now a Biden staffer, is speaking out, saying she misrepresented him. Quote, I was there at the event with hundreds of people. I was with Lucy before, during, and after the rally. I had no idea that she felt this way until her call a few weeks ago. Marianne Rafferty with team coverage. The Georgia State Legislature passes one of the strictest abortion bills in the nation, which would prohibit terminating a pregnancy when a fetal heartbeat is detected. That could be as early as six weeks into a pregnancy. Republican State Representative Ed Setzler applauds the effort to get the bill passed. And this bill, though, recognizes the fundamental life of the child in the womb is worthy of full legal protection and balances that basic right to life with the very difficult situations women find themselves in in pregnancies. And I think this bill is something we can be very proud of. The bill now goes to Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, who campaigned on passing just such a measure. Now with the most accurate and dependable forecast, here's Storm Center 7 meteorologist Jesse Mag. Showers likely throughout the day today, possibly a thunderstorm or two. We're going to range anywhere from a half to three quarters of an inch of rain with much higher totals found towards the south, more than one inch of rain towards the Cincinnati area. 58 degrees for the high temperature, but falling temperatures throughout the day as a cold front passes by. We could see a few snowflakes as we go later into the overnight hours. Temperatures dropping to a low of 27 by tomorrow morning with wind chills in the teens. Clouds to start on Sunday, then sunny skies in the afternoon, breezy with a high of 39 degrees. I'm meteorologist Jesse Mag on the Miami Valley Severe Weather Station, AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Latest skin of the live Doppler 7 radar. Showers all over the Miami Valley at this hour. The heaviest rain now down in Butler County. It is 54 degrees in Huber Heights, 55 in Springfield, and 56 degrees in Dayton at 234. I'm Dave Daniels, WHIO Continuing News. Hey everybody, it's Nancy here with my great, great friend Christian Hahn of Joseph Airport Toyota Hyundai. Now Christian, this is a lucky month for folks who are in the market to buy a vehicle. Why? Well, Nancy, everyone knows now about our lifetime powertrain warranty on our pre-owned vehicles. Sometimes people forget that we sell new Toyotas. In fact, Nancy, I thought I saw you in the showroom last month. You did indeed, and I did not forget. I got a brand new Toyota Highlander, and I love it. You know what I love so much about it is that the ease of doing business because you got the color that I wanted. It had all of the bells and whistles on it, exactly what I wanted. I'm glad you're happy, Nancy. We make all our customers happy with a great selection, low prices, ease of doing business at josephairporttoyota.com or just come in and visit in our large showroom. And don't forget, we have the lifetime powertrain warranty at no cost to you on most of our 2014 and newer pre-owned vehicles. And I was able to shop ahead online at josephairporttoyota.com. Hi, I'm Chris with Heater Plumbing. Most plumbing companies, including ours, sold water heaters with a standard six-year warranty. No matter what brand we tried, we noticed the water heaters just weren't lasting the way they used to. This isn't fair for our customers or our reputation. We jumped from manufacturer to manufacturer to deliver a better product but ran into the same reliability issues. Recently, we partnered with state water heaters and are proud to offer a factory direct, out-of-the-box, 10-year warranty heater. This includes installation. Before now, we had to pay extra to upgrade a six-year warranty heater, but now with state water heaters, the 10-year warranty comes ready to go, out of the box. We are able to install state water heaters for close to and sometimes even less than what the six-year warranty companies are charging. When you need a water heater, day or night, go to heaterplumbing.com. 
and give us a call. That's H-E-E-T-E-R plumbing.com. When you need a water heater, call Heater. See website for details. When the Miami Valley gets hit with breaking news, severe weather, or traffic tie-ups, depend on us for up-to-the-minute information. AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Welcome back to the show. This is Mark Avery with Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip. And we're glad that you've joined us on this Saturday uh, rainy afternoon. If you'd like to learn more about our show, to go to our website at sim-trainer.com slash radio. And you can find a link to our Facebook page, a link to the podcast, and uh, a link to the, the live stream on the radio program, which is also is hosted right here at whio.com. Je- Jeff, let's jump back out to the phones and talk to Steve, who's calling from Dayton. He has a comment about the new bill. Steve, welcome to the show. Still there? Yeah. Hello? Okay. Yeah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, my problem, or the real-world implications of the new bill would be if they no longer uh, uh, issue a license in the state of Ohio for concealed carry, how would that affect me carrying in, say, Indiana or Kentucky, which don't have constitutional carry? Fair question. If I don't have that opportunity to get the background check and the license, then I would have to resort to a non-resident license, which many states don't even recognize any other state's non-resident license. Completely correct, but there's more to it than that, because in all of the provisions in all of the states that I'm aware of, they didn't remove their concealed handgun license or whatever their equivalent was called. What they did was added a provision that said you don't have to have one if all you're doing is carrying in the state. If you still want to get one for reciprocity reasons, and in my home state of Arizona where I grew up, I know that there's additional provisions where, for example, if you have a concealed handgun license, you are allowed to carry loaded in a place that serve alcohol, whereas if you are just carrying based on the fact that you're a resident of Arizona, that does not apply. So uh, most I haven't fully read the provision that's been proposed uh, so far here, but my guess would be that some of the same things, the, the Ohio license would not go away. You'd still be able to get one for reciprocity purposes. Steve, you bring up a good point because the Kentucky governor specifically advocated that if you've been planning to tra- travel outside the state of Kentucky, he strongly advises you that you get your concealed handgun license so that you can share in the reciprocity provisions uh, that that brings with it. So um, Kentucky does have it. It just got signed into law in the last week or two, and that would be one of the issues that I think will be an issue, and I think that's one of the major advantages to the current system. As we move towards that, as long as it's it's kind of a, uh, it builds, we go from concealed concealed carry to constitutional carry after those kinds of issues are, uh, are uh, you know, worked through, but you're exactly right that that will be a problem. And a matter of fact, there early on when concealed carry passed back in uh, 2004, between 2004 and 2007 or so, there were a lot of people running to get Florida, running to get Pennsylvania, so Ohio. they had running to get Utah. I got so a Pennsylvania they could go license. Get, so they could get, um, you know, and, and quite frankly, from a practical standpoint, there were some people who did that absent of getting their concealed handgun license in the state of Ohio, which technically by letter of the law was fine, but once they got in court, it could have created a serious problem. And I just don't want people to be in a situation, you live in one state, you're going to get other states uh, licenses just because you want to have reciprocity with with certain other states. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, and in fact, now your Ohio license, uh, as Steve mentioned, is is valid in more states That's right. than any of the non-resident licenses. And again, licenses. like I said before, 
This law has evolved. The reciprocity agreements have been entered into because of the complications that people have expressed to the legislature, and uh, they've helped clear up some of those issues. Steve, thanks very much for calling the show. Thank you. Um, I think that's. I think it's a really important point that he brings up because it's something that needs to be included in the legislation. Because if if that's not the case, then what he brings up is is one of those kinds of things where you could possibly have a well, problem. I think it was critical that that was the mo- that was the first and probably most substantial addition to the announcement of the law that the Kentucky governor made right. because he wanted to make it very clear that this isn't going to help the people that travel to the adjacent states or anywhere else for that matter. All right, let's jump back out to the phones and talk to Carl, who's calling from New Carlisle. Uh, Carl, welcome to the show. Thank you, fellas. I have a question regarding that constitutional uh, license. Does that exonerate you from background checks and or training? Well, first of all, let me let me start off by saying that is just a proposal. There's no, that's only been proposed. I want to make it very clear. Um, that's something that has only been proposed. It hasn't even been discussed in committee. Um, so it's, it's a long way off if, if ever. So I want to clarify that first of all. And then secondly, the, the other part of your question as to. Yeah, it wouldn't be a license. It would just be the fact that you're a resident of Ohio and you'd be able to carry, which basically says because um, the Ohio Constitution guarantees the right to keep and bear arms, as does the U.S. Constitution, that you would not be having to do anything in addition to get a license to be able to carry legally when you're in Ohio. So to your question of training, yes, it would eliminate a mandatory training requirement. Does it eliminate the need for training? I don't think so. Um, it, That's a the, personal decision. It is a personal decision, and responsible people do responsible things. That would mean they should get trained just as parent, and that training might come from your parents, as it should, as it always did for, for eons back to the beginning of this country and before. Parents taught their kids the proper handling of firearms. I knew for sure where my dad's guns were, and I knew they'd better stay there because if I had anything to do with moving them, I was going to be hurting. You know, that ties right into a topic I wanted to mention earlier, and that's uh, since I've been turning off the uh, the fake news channels uh, and, and, and just so my blood doesn't boil any uh, higher than it already has over the last several years, um, I've been watching some of the older movies, older westerns, and I think it's interesting um, when we talk about training, I've seen in the last two or three days movies, westerns, where people kept rifles and or pistols around, and in certain circumstances, on two occasions, one woman and one child went and got it, and they did not know how to operate the gun, and in one case, it resulted in a bad outcome. In the other case, it was just somebody who got there ahead of time and was able to take care of the situation, and then they talked to the kid about um, uh, making sure he understood how to handle the gun. The kid was without a father, and they talked about how somebody else needs to step up in the community and take them out and show them how to do it. So uh, I think throughout time there have been people who have had access to guns and haven't had training, and um, I think any commonsensical approach to this says that anybody that's going to have access to a gun and potentially use the gun in any capacity needs to be trained in how to use it and how to safely handle it, how to load it, how to unload it. Now, to Um, be fair, you're talking about Hollywood stories. I understand that, but I truly believe, based on how I grew up, most of my friends had no idea how to handle guns. Yeah, but you're— I wouldn't have dared let them come to the place and— I get that, but you didn't grow up with it as I did. Right. So my father taught me, and his father taught him, and my guess was 
my great-grandfather taught my grandfather yeah. the proper handling of a yeah. firearm. My point was that even after we were taught and we were shooting, the majority of my friends, number one, their families didn't have guns. Of course, I grew up in an urban area right. rather than a rural. And when we went to the rural area, the, the, the tide kind of changed. All the kids in the rural area had guns, carried them around, showed up when we were kind of out hanging around. They brought their twenty-two and started plinking, and we were like, Wow. Know, wow, that's kind of uh, neat. That's, looks like fun. I want to try. Like fun. Can I yeah. try that? Exactly. So um, it, it's kind of a, an issue, but relative to training, that's a personal decision, and we would hope that people would take that regard. But constitutional carry doesn't require the issuance of a license or mandated training uh, for that matter. But it would, just based on the way it's been enacted presently without any further um, kind of uh, uh, relationships and, and understandings between the states, it would greatly prohibit an individual's uh, um, ability to travel outside of the state where the constitutional carry was was applicable. If that was their only, if that right. was the only thing they had. Now, the way that some of the um, national reciprocity bills have been written, and in fact, the way it is in Illinois with respect to transport in a motor vehicle, if you are legally allowed to carry in a particular way in your home state, you're legally allowed to carry that way in your vehicle in Illinois. That's the way that when they passed uh, concealed carry in Illinois, that's how they wrote that in there. I call it the I-70 rule. You no longer have to stop in Terre Haute, get gas, put your gun locked away, drive across southern Illinois, and then when you get to St. Louis, you're back into the free United States of America. That that no longer exists. And as long You still may want to get gas in Terre Haute so you can make it all the way through without getting out of your vehicle, but... The law explicitly says it's legal for you to have the gun in whatever way you could legally have it in your home state. So if you have a concealed handgun license in Ohio, you can carry on your person in the car, loaded in any way. Uh, we recommend a safe method of, of transport, but then you can do it that way when you're in southern Illinois or anywhere in Illinois as far as that goes. If you're driving up through Chicago and then on to uh, around the Wisconsin and around the Great Lakes, and your license was issued after uh, February 23rd of, of 2015, in which case your license would be valid in Wisconsin, then you'd be uh, good to go and be able to drive right on through one, there. One other provision I want to add relative to getting the concealed handgun license that I think is just absolutely huge. The concealed handgun license issued after, after April 2015 enables you to purchase a firearm by doing nothing more than completing the 4473, producing that valid document, and then... Uh, being able to um, buy the firearm without having the dealer have to run you through the, the national uh, check. So it's a, extremely convenient. It takes what can be up to, a, depending on the way the system is, especially on weekends or the potential for the system being down. Or big holidays. Uh, or big holidays. Yeah. It could take a process days. that could take up to a half hour to 45 minutes, depending on crowds, down to 15 minutes. It and takes longer to fill out the form than it does to complete it and transfer the gun. And we've also seen where it was nine or 10 hours because the system crashed. Carl still had something else he wanted to say, though, I think. Carl? Uh, yeah, uh, I was talking, and all of a sudden you fellas were gone. Sorry. <laughs> Anyway, if, uh, you know, I would be an advocate for training anyway, but I was wondering if you didn't have the training under the constitutional amendment you're talking about or the law because the Second Amendment has existed forever, I think. Um, Almost. Would that put you at any disadvantage from a legal standpoint? Not in Ohio. That would be the... I mean, the way the the law is, if it passed, it would say that you're legally allowed to carry concealed 
and we don't know exactly what it will be, but you know, assume that it says you can carry a concealed handgun in the same way that you would if you had a concealed handgun license as long as you're in Ohio and as long as you're a legal possessor and so forth. Well, I think this is going to open a can of worms, but I think based on how court cases go, I think that it would put you in legal jeopardy both from a criminal and a, a, a civil standpoint, only from the standpoint when they get in a case, if you would use your firearm in some capacity, regardless of what it was, they're going to go down the line of questioning as to your familiarity with the firearm that you used, um, your, your, your training, um, circumstances and experiences you've had with that. And especially in the civil realm, it could be very problematic for you. So I'm just looking at it particularly from a, a practical standpoint of uh, it'd be sort of like if somebody went out and uh, they had their driver's license suspended and they drove a car and got in a crash. Well, they may have not have necessarily caused the crash, but the fact that they were driving when they were suspended creates a a responsibility and a liability in a a subsequent uh, case. I think that is a completely false um, comparison because the difference is you're talking about somebody who was not legally driving, and we would be talking about somebody who was legally carrying a firearm in accordance with the law because the law says you do not have to have a license. The classic example would be if you had the gun for self-defense, you went to use the gun, and you missed your target and hit the second person. Yeah, but I'm that, talking from a, a civil liability standpoint only. Uh, okay, I, That's I, again, I, same thing. We okay, can, we're we going to disagree, disagree. I, on. on I'm, parts I'm very of that. familiar with how court cases go. <laughs> Much and more they're, than they're I. Relac- they're related to facts rather than law most of the time. Carl- it's certainly got to be within the context of the law, but that's how it goes. All right, Carl, thanks okay. very much for calling the show. We need to take our last break for the hour, um, and we hope that you join into this lively discussion again. This is Mark Avery and Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Dayton and Springfield Station for 24-hour news, weather, and traffic. And our Ask the Expert weekend, AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Hi, Pete Kasuja here in Old North Dayton, where my wife Shirley and I started our garden center in 1963. And now we have customers who come to us every year from Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. The reason for such loyalty is because they know that we have thousands of shade trees, fruit trees, weeping trees, dwarf trees, evergreens, and flowering shrubs, all ready to load. We also have 16 greenhouses where we grow thousands of bonsai trees and indoor plants and garden plants, berry and fruit plants, and don't forget our green mat grass seed. So today, mow in May. We're about a mile east of the Stanley Avenue exit on I-75, so come out to 1309 Brant Pike and be dazzled. Hi, I'm Tom Perry, owner of Long Cleaners. Having a partner like Farmers and Merchants Bank means they know me by name. That's why I trust the lending staff at Farmers and Merchants Bank. My loan officer is always eager to help me. Thanks, Tom. Unlike those bigger banks, we understand what it takes for small businesses to succeed. I'm Clint Morton with Farmers and Merchants Bank, and we have a cool offer for you. For a limited time, get a free Yeti cooler when you apply for and close a new business loan. Does your bank do that? Farmers and Merchants Bank, FDIC insured, equal housing lender. Despite WHIO-TV's best efforts to stay on dish, at 7 p.m. on March 31st, you may no longer see your favorite programming live on dish. 
That means no News Center 7 local news, Storm Center 7 weather, CBS, and NFL programming. Dish charges you a lot of money to watch your favorite shows. Call Dish at 800-333-3474 and tell Dish that if it drops WHIO-TV, you will drop Dish. Showers likely throughout the day, possibly a few thunderstorms. Temperatures topping off at 58 degrees for the high, but steeply falling throughout the afternoon into the evening. Much colder air waving in. We'll have a chance to see a few snowflakes as we go towards the overnight hours. Low temperatures by tomorrow morning dropping to 27 degrees. I'm meteorologist Jesse Mag on the Miami Valley Severe Weather Station, AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. It's our Ask the Experts weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather and traffic, AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Welcome back to the show. This is Mark Avery and Jeff Pedro. And you missed a great and very lively discussion. While on and off dur- the air. On, yeah, while in, <laughs> during the commercial break. So <laughs> Another reason why we have this show. I mean, we can agree to disagree, and Mark and I frequently go head-to-head. And that's what makes the show, I think, And they're so both dynamic. very hard. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, um, mine's harder than his, and I'll admit that right up front. But uh, it had to be because of the way I was raised. But um, uh there are lots of issues that we bring up here because we want to create hearty discussion. And all we ask that people bring their arguments to the table, be able to stand behind what they, what they feel. And that's what I'm really actually quite upset that we don't get any, not just many, any anti-gunners who are seriously anti-gunners who can base their opinions on facts. And some of them won't even call in to say why they uh, feel a way they do and engage in a discussion or ask a question. Like we've had some people say just the other day, I had a person come to the range and she was looking at our list of firearms and she goes, why should any be able to anybody be able to have one of those in the civilian world? And she was pointing to an M4 rifle. And I then gave her a, um, a series of reasons why any of us should be able to possess uh, M4 rifles. And then she said, well, why more than one? And I said, well, because uh, I can breaks. afford seven, and uh, that's my choice. It, it doesn't really matter. But but my point here is that there are people who, who uh, um, have differing opinions, and I certainly welcome any of you listeners out there who may be reluctant to call in to call in. Just support your stance, and we can agree to disagree. We're not going to shout you down. That's not the case at all. We just want to get the dialogue out there. Bruce mentioned earlier the main reason Mark and I started this show 10 years ago was just for that very purpose, to be the voice for this community and beyond for people who have thought about the things we talk about but really didn't have an opportunity to talk about them. And that's a really good point because – and we have had some people who've called who didn't agree with our positions – And we're perfectly happy with that. In fact, we encourage that kind of dialogue because if all you talk to are people who agree with you, you're not going to learn much. So when people who disagree are willing to take their position and bring it to the air and give us a call and explain where they're coming from, we do ask that you bring facts. I mean, I'm I'm interested, but, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of stock we can put in what people feel. I have feelings. Jeff has feelings. We try to leave those out as much as we can because there are facts to deal with in this issue. There are a lot of facts. There's, In fact, there's a lot more facts than most, most people realize because there's been quite a bit of research done. There's been a lot of statistical analysis done. And that's part of what we bring to this show. That's why we constantly bring up the FBI uniform crime statistics, why we bring up uh, the CDC and some of the studies, some of the tracking, the, the tracking of injuries that is done 
through the CDC and some of the other studies that have been done. That's the reason we do that, because that brings objective data to the uh, discussion. And and we think that's very important. Very important points. A couple other things I want to mention. We're running short on time. I just wanted to uh, mention that the bump stock effect went into uh effect on March 26th. So if you have them, destroy them last Tuesday. Secondly, I wanted to mention that uh, there was an article this past week that Dick Sporting Goods, as a result of the bad decision they made to remove uh, black rifles and a series of other uh, lines of firearms from their uh, inventories, they uh, they sustained a $150 million loss, which uh, when you looked at the total, uh, they said that was only two to three percent uh, loss in their total revenues. However, in big business like that, that's a that's a lot of money. So that's their choice. They made those decisions. Uh, related to that, I wanted to mention that um, uh, many of the uh, uh, freshman uh, congressmen, Congress people are uh, advocating and promoting discriminating discriminatory lending practices against banks for uh, anything to do with the gun industry, uh, manufacturers, distributors, and dealers. And we've experienced that personally over the last couple of years in a variety of uh, capacities. One is that my credit card processor, not because of bank policy, but because according to the representative who they got had get a hold of me, would not commit anything to writing. She said, quote, we want to help contribute to uh, um, a safer world, uh, unquote. So we don't want you to be able to process online sales of firearms because uh, that will be sending guns to people who shouldn't be getting them. And even though I went to a great lengths and provided written documentation, that, that process, the way they understand it is not true. People have to undergo the check before they receive the gun. On and the other frankly, hand, they've been lied to. That's exactly right. And they're running with that. And they just absolutely would not listen to anything I say. Secondly, one of our main uh, uh, distributors just recently had three of their main investors come forward and say they're going to divest from the industry without being specific. It was a a 180 degree turn. They just bought the company six months ago. They just bought the company six months ago. And just in the last couple weeks, they've advised the stockholders that they're going to divest their investment in the business, which is going to result in the um, dismantling of the largest distributor of sporting goods in the country. Um, and they're headed that way. They're, they're already, they just, the company from before that they bought was in bankruptcy. They bought it from them and the hopes merged with gonna, some other yes, companies. Merged with some, well, they were actually all part of part, the big umbrella. Yeah. And, uh, so we know that that kind of, sh- those kinds of shenanigans are going on. And I'm proud to report that, um, uh, uh, Senator John Kennedy, um, in the, uh, has just introduced legislation to, uh, eliminate discriminatory pre- uh, practices of banks that are receiving federal funding, which basically are in federal support, which is basically all banks uh, because they're looking at us as, yeah, they're, they're looking at us as uh, being uh, adverse to the, to the economy. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. Absolutely. And of course, part of this uh, whole effort by the banks had originally started with the, the choke choke point point issue, but more recently it has been the state of New York saying, we're not going to deal with, and do any business with your bank or allow anybody uh, in from the state of the government of New York to use any functions of your bank if you don't prohibit the use of your um, your bank facilities for any firearms transactions. And frankly, that's a place that I think there needs to be a lawsuit. They need to go after the, the state of New York and as with a civil lawsuit that says you are in you are violating uh, the civil rights of people across this country we are out of time we'd love to continue this discussion join us again next week and we'll do just that 
This is Mark Avery and Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. From our downtown Dayton McAfee Heating and Air Studios, WHIO AM Dayton, WHIO FM Pleasant Hill, a Cox Media Group station.